to me, tarot is is the map of life. It's the road map. And, you know, we are so dependent on maps. I mean, I don't get in a car without uh, going onto my GPS or talking to Siri or whatever. Right. You know, we need maps. For, we have maps of the moon. We have maps of the sea. We have maps of everything. But we don't, I don't feel we have an adequate life map. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Dr. James Wanless. Dr. Wanless is a futurist, human potential trainer, inspirational speaker, artist, and author who has created a unique formula for successfully navigating through our changing, uncertain, complex, and demanding world. He is a vastly experienced modern-day alchemist with a solid academic and professional background. Creator of the Voyager Tarot Deck and Sustain Yourself cards, Dr. Wanless is the author of, among others, Way of the Great Oracle, Intuition at Work, and Adventures with Greening Man. All right, well, welcome to Living 4D. I have a very exciting guest today. James Wanless is the author of Voyager Tarot, Intuition at Work, and at Home and at Play, and Wheel of Tarot, A New Revolution, all of which I've spent time with excellent books. I want to share that when I found Voyager Tarot, I was doing a lot of research on tarot. I, I have at least 40 or 50 books on the tarot, many of them very deep and scholarly books by Jungian analysts and people like that. And one of the first things that happened as I was doing my research on tarot is I found a lot of conflicting information and a lot of opinions about do this, don't do that, no upside-down cards, upside-down cards. And it was like almost any topic when you start looking into it, experts on either side of the fence have diametrically opposed viewpoints. And then the way I buy books is I go to Amazon or to bookstores or libraries and I just ask my soul to choose for me and my soul took me right to Voyager Tarot. And by the time I got reading, done reading the first 42 or three pages where James introduces how to use the tarot, I knew I'd hit pay dirt. I said, aha, here is somebody who is highly evolved and who really has a much deeper understanding of the tarot than most of the people writing books. And the integration of all the different systems from geomancy to numerology to shamanism, etc., made your book, James, uh, very, very powerful and, and honestly, one of the most incredible holistic uh, Tour de France guides to how to really use and, and grow with tarot. So thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. I was really, really excited when you responded and said you would be interested in doing this with me. Oh, thank you, Paul. You know, it's I really appreciate the fact that you don't... Uh, it's not a, a cosmetic kind of uh, overview of the entertainment aspects of the tarot and all that stuff. I mean, as you as you say, you go deep. Yeah. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons I, I could kind of get into the tarot. I mean, I, I just kind of went deep, but I went it in my own original kind of way. And so I guess that's probably what you're seeing here. I, li I like the way you describe my work as a tour de France. <laughs> it is. It's really thorough and, and so 
They, they, you know, maybe, but maybe it should be a tour de force. Yeah, That's, well, it's 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 a beautiful tour, right? It's it's it's, yes. it's not only a magical mystery tour into the unconscious, the superconscious, and the perceptibly unknown, but it really opens the door to access our precognitive awareness and and begin to truly engage the ocean of the unconscious within ourselves and bring that that subjective aspects of, of ourselves up into consciousness where we can actually begin to work with it and learn and grow. And I, I really can't say enough about Voyager Tarot. You know, I, I, because I did so much study with the writer weight system, I begin using your book as a resource for looking into them, what my spreads were meaning, because I found that so much of the writer weight books and their interpretations are so heavily slanted towards Christian ideology that I found that quite off-putting. But when I would read your, like, we'll get into this later, so we won't need to expand on this now. But like, when I read your description of Tarot 15, the devil, it was so awesome. And I'm like, this guy is for real. He's not caught in some dogmatic story where he's just regurgitating everybody else's fear-based programming. And I, I've recommended that book to piles and piles of my students, my clients, people I consult with because of that. Oh, well, maybe that's that's the whole story, Paul. Maybe that's it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably enough. But I know how I know you're a lot deeper than that, man. I've I've been reading your stuff and I signed up for your newsletter and, and you know, I'm. I'm a pretty intuitive guy. I'm actually licensed as a medicine man, spirit guide and do shamanic wow. healing work and uh, use plant medicines. And I've done over 400 plant medicine ceremonies in my life. So I've cracked the cosmic egg a number of times and I've done over 15 years of Tai Chi and was trained in meditation by monks when I was a kid. So I'm not somebody that just goes off superficial things. When I all I had to do was pick up your Voyager Tarot book, flip it over, and look at your picture, and I went, that guy's my soul brother right there. <laughs> and I think, Paul, it's because we're both hair-free. Yes. Hair-free and happy and never a bad hair day. Yeah, well, I, I tell people grass doesn't grow on a busy street. Oh, my God. Well, you, as you saw at the top of my head, I already have a henna in henna, an advertisement for a great friend of mine, a hypnotherapist site and stuff on top of my head so that's a, a human billboard yeah I hope, <laughs> hopefully that there's enough tall people around to see it <laughs> well no no exactly so i bend over a lot in some prayer uh, you know namaste kind of a deal but no this is actually uh it's more of an internet social media zoom kind of recording it's not for people to look at my head actually it's online it's an online deal yeah well i'm glad you're using your head at at this stage of your life, most people have given up by now. <laughs> oh boy. Well, my, you know, your head with aging, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 76 on uh, this earth day in a week, April 22. Wow. And I'll be 76. And you know, 
the brain is such a malleable plastic thing, which is so cool. Like, okay, maybe I don't like have the muscles in my body and maybe I don't have the memories that I have in my brain, but I'm a lot more creative, a lot more original, a lot more expressive, just a lot more alive. And my brain is just so loose and flexible and free and expressive. I can't tell you how much more alive I feel now with maybe it's some other factors, but certainly the age is not a hindrance at all. For well, that's, me. that's good news for a lot of people. I, I would love it if you can share an overview of your background and what development, uh, developmental forces ultimately led to your engagement with tarot and then the development of Voyager tarot. And I, I noticed reading your book, I don't, uh, forgive me if I uh, quote it wrong, but it said something about you worked with a, some kind of a Native American Indian healer or spiritual teacher that helped you along? Well, no, that was actually in Guatemala oh, okay. uh, with, with the shaman uh, down there. Um, absolutely. So I have some shamanic. And if you look at Voyager, because you were talking about the old tarot, which is so Christian. Yeah. And uh, it's so true. And even though I grew up in, you know, and as a Christian, the Presbyterian church and all that kind of stuff, I looked at the tarot and I went like, oh man, this is old and this is narrow. You know, yeah. we, we got to get up to the 21st century, which is inclusive of so many different philosophical, uh, spiritual traditions and cultures. So yes. that's kind of where I'm coming from. But you, you asked me to share an overview of my background. God, yeah. that's a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I like to know how the forces of spirit work in the people that right. I interview. And, and, you know, it's obvious to me and probably everyone listening already, you're not the average 76-year-old guy. And I've read enough of your work and looked at your Voyager Tarot, which I know you created. And I'm like, this is not the average guy. I got to talk to this guy. And so <laughs> maybe you can just tell us enough to get a sense of how sure. great spirit crafted the amazing James Wanless to share with us all. Oh, that's a, thank you so much, Paul. Well, you know, I actually uh, have a very extensive academic background. I mean, I went, uh, I, I actually have a PhD, a professor of political science. I got my PhD from Columbia University uh -huh. in 72, which is a long time ago. Yeah. But, you know, Paul, I, you know, here I am. A top of the ap academic field and feeling like this is it. Yeah, oh, it, this can't be it. You know, so I got into um, meditation. I mean, I just started out with TM, transcendental meditation, and I loved it actually. So I just sort of kept practicing that, and so I knew there was so much more to our wisdom and our understanding that being able to read a lot of books and be a smart guy in an academic university world. So I, um, it's interesting. The minute I got my PhD, I left the country. I mean, I went straight to Africa. Right, right on. <laughs> and you, so far, your story sounds like Ram Dass, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, but when I was in Africa, I learned how to surf and, and this, and, and I was coming up out of Africa and, uh, I was in Cairo and I got a job because I had a good resume academically. And I started teaching at the American university in Cairo. And then the next year I taught at, uh, in Beirut at this Armenian university in Beirut, Lebanon. And 
I would, you know, I was teaching poli sci 101 and all that kind of stuff, and I liked it. It was okay, you know, but it was okay. Uh, and, and I was I was voted actually professor of the year at this Armenian university because I, I actually played on all their sports teams, and I'm kind of a baller. Yeah, and I love athletics. Uh-huh. And and so I walked into the president's office of uh, I don't know I shouldn't be saying this. Well, anyway, walked into the guy's office. And I said, I'm, I'm professor of the year here. Um, I'm thinking of going to India because I think there's more there in India than there is here at, at the university. But if you double my salary, I'll stay. I can't believe I said that. And of course he laughed. So I was off to India. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe that was the best thing. (laughs) Oh, totally. It was the best thing. Oh, oh, absolutely. Because actually if I had stayed another year in Beirut, the war would have started and all hell would have broken loose, you know? So anyway, I go to India and, and, and and I'm going to, I first go to Nepal to do some trekking in the great snow mountains. Uh I thought, this is going to be spectacular. However, I, I come down with hepatitis Uh in downtown Kathmandu and I'm lying. I'm thinking I'm freaking dying here on this downtown Kathmandu. And I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't get any doctor help or anything. But then at that moment I heard there was a meditation course going on in a Tibetan Buddhist monastery just outside uh, Kathmandu. And I said, well, hell, I can, I'm just sitting around, you know, lying around anyway. I'll do that. Yes. So I got my body up there somehow to the monastery. And for the next month, I just did the Buddha kind of golden light meditations. And that changed my life. That's awesome. Yeah. It it cured me of, I walked out after 30 days, I walked out with no hepatitis for sure. And with a new life, a new spiritual life, I was on the path and kind of like a lot of you and your friends and listeners may know, once you're kind of bitten by the spiritual, you know, uh, path or on it, you can't really get off of it really, you know? So I just started following a guru all over India, doing meditation and all that kind of stuff. But then you got to pay the rent, you know, Paul, you got to get real here. Yeah. That's always, my money's running out. Now, what am I going to (laughs) do? Even, you you know, one time uh, I was in a a meeting, uh, like a, I was in a self-realization fellowship temple, which is what my mother and father raised us in. And they were talking about Yogananda and one of the monks giving the presentation said, you know, Yogananda said, no matter how close you get to God, you still have to pay the mortgage. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've never had a mortgage, but it's always been the rent. But yeah, there's no free lunch here. That yeah. is for sure. So I made way, made my way back to, I've been out of the country now by four years. After, I mean, I just kind of blew up my career as a professor of poli-sci because I'm not really teaching for the next few years after that Beirut thing. And so anyway, I'm looking for a job in San Francisco. And I get a job teaching in some kind of funky alternative universities and so on and so forth. And I'm teaching meditation. And But one of my colleagues, um, faculty members, uh, a wonderful woman, Basque, Basque woman, Angelus Arian, a great shamanic. Oh, I love Angelus Arian. She's yeah, one of my – uh, I refer to her all the time and I've read her yeah. books and listened to piles of interviews with her. You've, you've just hit another one of my favorite resources. <laughs> right. And it's just so unfortunate. She passed away just a couple of years ago because she was not old. No. Shocked. It just shocked everybody. But so 
she was doing the cards, Paul. Uh, Angelus, I call her Angie. Mm-hmm. I knew her as Angie back then. Um, she was doing tarot. And I thought, well, hell, I love her work. She's a cultural anthropologist from Cal, from Berkeley. Yeah. And so I had a, a, you know, a reading with her, and I said, ooh, I like this. Mm. Ooh, ooh. Moreover, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I just went ahead and took a series of classes from her in San Francisco, from Angela, the great Angela Sarian. Yeah. Another great tarot writer, Mary Greer. Um, who's written a lot of tarot books and we were both in the same class and a bunch of other people. And, um, and I, I took that, you know, four month class or whatever it was. And I was off and rolling. I became a professional tarot reader. Neato. For $10, Paul, you could have gotten a reading from me. <laughs> That's great. Well, I get readings from you almost every day. <laughs> Well, there, there, yeah. But so, and I basically, I lived in, uh, actually she had moved. So I lived in her little office in San Francisco. I lived in the office. I basically starved. I mean, I paid my dues, but you know, they say when you're doing your bliss, the money will follow. They don't tell you when. No, but <laughs> that's, how you have, that's where faith comes in. Yeah, exactly. I believed in it. I know it's a, the right thing. Um, for a lot of different reasons. And I just kept going and going and I've never looked back. So tarot has been my field, my profession for many, many, many years, many years. Well, it shows and I'm really grateful. And uh, what I'm curious is what, when you created your system, what, I mean, you had to have done a lot of research to put all those different systems together that you've integrated. I mean, that must have taken a lot of time just to assimilate that all in yourself. Yeah, I know. If, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you, you're you right about that. I mean, when I look at one of my books called Voyager Terra, Way of the Great Oracle, which uh, goes into all these aspects of every card, I had to do a heck of a lot of research. And it's, writing on my, that, it's on my desk right in front of me. Oh, cool. And and because if you look at uh, the Voyager cards, they're very complex. These are collages, photo montages yes. cut before Photoshop and all that. And they're very, I mean, they are so multicultural and multi-ethnic and multiracial, multi-multi in a way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I That took me, well, the, making Voyager took four years. I don't doubt make. it. I, I really, yeah. I can see yeah. that. But I was, I'm such a voyager. I'm such a traveler from the get go. I mean, I grew up in Rio de Janeiro as a kid and went to, you know, I've been all over the world. Yeah. And, and so when I looked and I, I learned on, you know, the basic classic tarot and it's very Christian based and very European based. There's only a bunch of white people running around on horses with swords and stuff. Yes. Like, and I, you know, I must have had a brutal past life remembrance in some crusade or something like that because the minute i saw swords and blood and all these classic old european decks i was turned off i mean i learned on it and i knew what it's about symbolically and all that but i don't want to i don't need these visuals why don't we have a suit of guns or ak-70 whatever the heck you know i mean it's just insane for me I'm excited to hear you say that because that's part of what I want to get into with you. And, and, you know, we'll do that as the interview unfolds. But I really agree with you. And and there's so much more that I want to get into, but I'm really digging this. So keep going. Well, I I really wanted to create a 21st century tarot. 
I mean, I knew the old stuff, the classic stuff, but um, this is really my PhD. I mean, this is really my 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 work. Well, it's a, it's a legitimate PhD. You know, PhD often stands for piled higher and deeper. But I'll tell you what, you you really uh, like I said when I looked at your book, I went finally this this right here is a level of truth that sits in my heart. The rest of them I had uh, you know reflex protective reactions against, especially reading interpretations on the cards. I'm like, this is oh. just poisonous crap. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. Oh man, you, you hit it. Absolutely. And I, and I love, but I love the whole, uh, you know, the process, uh, the, the, how you do it of picking cards face down and intuition and all these wonderful features of the other aspects of the brain that are not left brain academic. Yeah. You know, that's what, but you know, you read some of these old decks and books are so narrow and so limited because they're coming out of a, a world 500 years ago, let's say more or less 16th century Europe. And, and, and there wasn't much change. It was a very small world at that time. And, you know, things you probably could predict stuff maybe back then, but today's world, forget it. It's global. It's earth. It's this, it's that. And I wanted Voyager to mirror. I wanted Voyager to reflect the world we live in. And that's why a lot of people look at Voyager cars. They go, oh, I don't get it. It's too much chaos here. And I say, hey, look out. Look on, look out on the street, please. Yeah. And what do you see there? <laughs> you know. So I just really, really wanted it to reflect where we are in this 21st century Earth world. Um, and so I, I just had to move on from all the old classic kind of stuff. Um, that's there, but I just know it's it, it, the system of, of of picking cards and symbols and metaphors and all of that is so is so powerful. It I is. Mean, it's so moving. It's, it's you know. I it, mean, I, I was just going to say you're dead right, but the 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 thing it reminds me of is you know Joseph Campbell warned people if you read the Bible as a dictation instead of a connotation or a book of metaphor, you're you're likely to suffer a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you talked, I mean, you mentioned like even the devil card in uh, classic tarot and my, my deck, it's called Vo uh, devil's play. Right. I went to, I went to the Greeks before Christians and the devil and evil and Satan and all that stuff. I went to pan the Dionysian celebration of life, the dancer, the dance of life, the sensual life. And that just made so much sense to me. So with Voyager, I brought in all these other kinds of traditions and cultures. And that's what makes it such a special, special um, deck and map of life, actually. Yes. Well, there, there's, as, as we're discussing, there's many different, often conflicting views regarding the actual origin of tarot. And I've studied uh, a variety of commentaries on the subject, but the one that I found most profound are you familiar with the book series titled The Law of One by Ra? No, I've heard of it, but I've never I've never looked at it. It's yeah. a it's a damn powerful set of books. I mean, I, uh -huh. I, I, I I doubt you need more reading to do, but it's a channeled series and it was channeled by a physicist, which is unusual. And his wife and one other person was their their uh, recording engineer. But uh, David Wilcock talks about a system that there is that out there for determining the uh, authenticity of channel work and the law of one ranked at 99%. And it's actually very scientific. 
and since the book was published, I think it was published in the early 80s, if I remember right, but many of the things that were predicted and stated as scientific explanations of what's going on in, in the earth and in the universe have been now demonstrated by quantum physics. So it's actually turned out to be a very prophetic book. But what, what they outline in book four is the tarot and the Egyptian um, intentions behind the tarot. And, and they state that the Egyptians developed the tarot, the Egyptian priests, as a system for training Egyptian priests. And I followed that system to develop because as I was, as I said, as I was reading all these tarot books, I was like, this, this is confusing as hell. Uh, and I've ran into this problem a million times. And I tell my students, because they come to me all the time and say, how do you know what to believe? There's all these experts. You say this and some other guy says the opposite of you. I said, you know what? If you study Steiner's model of the soul, there's the mineral soul, the biological soul, the intellectual soul. And that gives way to what's called the awareness soul. And I said, whenever you find conflicting in information in your life, you're being invited by your own soul to look into it and find out what is true for you and stop being a child and believing what other people write, or you'll stay stuck expert shopping. And then when you have a problem, you'll blame the expert instead of realizing you were the one that made the choice. So I took it upon myself. And the Egyptian system was really cool because the, one of the first things they said is don't read meanings about the tarot cards. Take one card from the major arcana each day, start with zero, meditate on it, and open yourself to what it means in your life and what comes to you intuitively or through insight or clairvoyance or clairaudience or clairsentience or any way that the information comes in and go through all the major arcana that way before you begin looking at any meanings. And actually, then they take you into a system of juxtaposing two cards, then three cards, and they tell you exactly what order to do. It took me about a year to do that. And I got notebooks full of my downloads. And then I began going back and looking at the books. And I could really see the difference between what my soul wanted to teach me about how the tarot uh, was to be interpreted from my own personal understanding. And I began teaching that to my other students because they would inevitably come to me and say, well, I got these cards today and it doesn't seem to match what's going on in my life. And I said, well, that's because you keep reading the books. You got to start having a relationship with the damn thing. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on where the tarot originated and what you feel the function of it was intended to be. <laughs> I mean, I, you are absolutely, I mean, I would agree with you completely about books, uh, the books. I mean, I, 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 one of the things when I got into tarot is after that PhD, which not only is piled higher and deeper, is powerful head damage. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I'll use that and I'll quote you. <laughs> yeah. So when I got into tarot, it's basically, it's an intuitive art. It really, really is. I do not want it to be an academic art. I mean, I write. I mean, hell, I've written lots of books, you know, no doubt. I love to write. But one thing I did kind of religiously is not read other books. Yeah. And I said, because I wanted this to be original to me. Yeah. And because I had enough, you know, book knowledge about the whole thing anyway. And that was enough. Um, you know, so I kind of went with my own intuition on, on all of this stuff, but back to your, uh, kind of question about the origins of tarot. I think I was up 
uh, actually teaching. It was in Spokane, Washington, a few years ago, and a rabbi uh, approached me. I, I think he might have been kind of a radical rabbi, but anyway, pretty cool. And he asked me. He said, "Well, James, do you know where the tarot came from?" And I knew this was a loaded question. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. if a I, rabbi I, is asking you that, it's a loaded I, question, right? And I said, "Well," so I smartly said, "No, I really don't." What do you think? And I threw it back to him, and he said, "Well." His belief was that with the second burning of the Temple of Jerusalem, uh, the Jews had to leave. And instead of taking the Torah, which was illegal, they took the Torah in the form of different pictures and symbols and glyphs and called it the tarot. Right. Now, that's interesting. Now, I don't know. You know, if that's true or not, but you're right about all these conflicting stories. Maybe some of them are apocryphal. But he also said that he felt there were 22 temples of initiation along the Nile. Oh. And, yeah, and th that's what you're talking about. And it really conforms to the 22 archetypes, 22 major personality types, the major arcana, so-called, in every tarot deck. And I, I would believe that. I mean, I just think, you know, back in the old days – you know, b before Christ, B.C., there was, you know, all that area of the Eastern Mediterranean. There was a lot of cross-fertilization and uh, pollination, all that stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Egyptians had it, uh, the early Israelis had it. I mean, it was there. And they probably, but I, I, it may go back to the ancient Egyptian stuff. I mean, originally, originally, it might go back, which is interesting because, I was um, when I was teaching in Cairo, I made a trip to the uh, to Upper Egypt where the the Valley of the Kings and Queens are, and I was with a little group of students, and uh, we got locked in one of the tombs, and this was Ramses. I mean, this is one of the big kings, right, of, of the times. Ra, R A, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, that was the first time. Um, after my early travels to Japan and all of that kind of symbolism, um, to, to be in the tomb and to see the glyphs and the art and the, and the, and like the goddess Newt, the sky goddess upholds the stars, like this 150 foot goddess, the whole top of the, of the, of the cave in a sense, painted, beautiful. I thought, man, there is something here that I don't know, but I love this. And somehow it feels familiar to me and it feels familiar family. And so that's why I kind of resorted to forget the book stuff. I mean, I think in my DNA and my past life history, there's probably a lot of stuff there, you know, already encoded. And I just have to be open to it. And so that's kind of where I was coming from with Voyager, not to be wedded to this classic European tradition of Christianity. This is a global, this is way bigger than that. And kind of sort of kind of where, I, I, I don't know if I answered your question or not. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm just, you know, well, one thing I'll interject here that, that's kind of interesting and humorous you know, Christian, many fundamentalist Christians don't believe there's any other cultural influences on the Bible. That's the, it's, it's oh. the direct word of God. <laughs> so first of all, I've never met a Christian yet that actually knows what Adam or Eve really means. And, and what, one of my favorite things to ask him is, do you know what amen means? So far, nobody has given me the right answer. It means amen ra 
Amun Ra, Amun Ra. I totally get it, and I would agree with it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing, though. Yeah. <laughs> but so, that's what kind of with the Voyager, I really tried to bring a lot of that. That stuff is a lot of Egyptian symbolism in Voyager with ancient Greek and some Christian and all this kind of and stuff. Because, you know, I've, I've, I've traveled all those places. I am a Voyager. Yeah. And when you've been to all these cultures at an early age, you're impressed. I mean, I, I, I was primed to do the Voyager deck, actually, probably in some subconscious kind of way. Thank the Lord. What do you think the function of the tarot is? I mean, the, their actual original purpose of it. Well, the original purpose is way different, I think, than today's purpose. Today's purpose is kind of, um, uh, let me go backwards. Let's start with today. Okay, <laughs> I, we'll I do think that. The deck, the, uh, there's a lot of beautiful decks that are out there, and they're, they're, for, they're for artists. I mean, if hey, if I was an artist, I might make a deck too. Yeah. So a lot of decks are done by artists, and they're beautiful, and that's kind of what they are. They're art decks, or in a lot of cases, they're novelty uh-huh. decks. Oh, here's a um, a dog deck or whatever. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, how cute and how cool is that? And that's fun. And I'm not opposed to fun. I mean, I, I'm 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 a funster. You know, I love to have fun, but. The early tarot is not about that. It's the spiritual journey. Yes. It's the path of life here. And and it's to be who you are meant to be. And to me, the highest card in every tarot deck is not even the world. It's the universe. Mm-hmm. And we are the universe with a Y-O-U. Yes. And, and to me, that's what the tarot is. It's a personal spiritual growth path to become who you are meant to be, to live your life purpose, fulfill the life force from which you came, the universe. So this is high work. It's fabulous. It's an, the greatest adventure of ever. But it's to me, it's a growth path, meaning, like a yoga, you've got you've to take action on it. This is not an entertainment thing of just reading the cards and, oh, that's interesting and that's insightful and, it, and that's good. Insight is good. Mm-hmm. But I'm into, okay, now let's play it out because we're here to embody these principles, these 78 cards yeah. and the 78 principles of life. And that takes proactive work on being the cards. And that's where I'm coming in because it's the map of life. So it's not just some kind of fun little game to play. Although I've, I have, I've played tarot, yo, uh, poker stuff. Like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, it can be fun as well. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, um, when my, when I studied the Egyptian approach to it, they basically described that the, they really, first of all, they only focused on the major arcana. They said a lot of the minor arcana were were later additions by other people that weren't actually part of the system they used to train the priests. That's true. I, I would buy that completely. Yeah, yeah. What they said was that they they took the key functions of life, the key experiences in life, or which today we would call the key archetypes that act on the psyche of the collective unconscious. And they broke them into these 20, uh, you know, 22 with zero. And they taught the priests to really, really understand each of these key archetypal functions because almost anything that was going on in a person's life was one or a combination of those key archetypal expressions of, you know, you could call it the collective unconscious, the 
universal mind or the divine mind. Um, but I, but I, when I teach people to use it, I tell them one of the things to do when you pull a card is just look carefully at the picture. Whatever the deck you're using, it's your psyche that brought you to that picture. Look at the picture and say, what is it about my life that has a correlation? And the way I do it is I say, imagine someone captured a frame from a movie like James Bond or something and put a picture in front of you and said, this came from a movie. Tell me what you think is going on. Right. And when people look, they say, well, you know, somebody's having this happen or they're about to do this. or their look on their face suggests that they're sad or whatever. I say, good. Now you're learning how to use the tarot because your interpretation of that image is unique to your perception of whatever image you're looking at. But because these images that you're choosing from happen to correlate with the actual collective unconscious or the chief functions in how we perceive our experience in life, you're using the tarot now as a mirror so you can see what you're conscious mind often isn't willing to show you for fear of taking responsibility or what might happen or whatever it might be. But now you can begin to become more connected to reality. Well, and and to your reality, which is the most important reality. Well, that's yes, that's there. certainly the one I'm talking about, right? That's why I alluded to the fact that if you showed the same picture to 10 people, they would all have 10 different experiences. It's like an inkblot, a Rorschach yes. uh, kind of thing. And, but you're right, absolutely. And, and tarot is a tremendous intuition tool for accessing that part of our intelligence. But you're right, everybody relies on these little guidebooks. And one of the things about my guidebooks, I try and give you so many possibilities that ultimately it's back to you. It is. <laughs> it's, it's true. And, and, one of the things I loved about that I do love about your Voyager Tarot is that you can look at almost any one of the cards and no matter who you are, say you, you don't like one description or you have a kind of a, 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 a rejection reaction. Well, you've given like 12 different systems from different cultures. And I think that's such a beautiful um, catch net because almost anybody can find a sense of inner harmony with one or more of those descriptions. And I think that if we're just honest with ourselves, even though we, you know, it might, we might have a sort of a fear, you know, somebody pulls the devil card, for example, or they pull a five of cups or three of, uh, I know you don't use swords, but anyhow, the point being is they might disengage from actually looking into their life. But by looking at the many different concepts you give to support each of the cards, I think anybody can find something that they can harmonize with enough to say, now I'm going to engage my life with conscious awareness of this aspect of my life. And now they begin to grow instead of just closing the book and saying, oh, that's not me. This is bullshit. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I I love every classic tarot deck has 12 so-called negative cards. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I don't treat them as negative. I think their life life lesson cards basically and they wake us up so we get one of those cards like the five of cups disappointment let's say well okay 
what about my disappointment? And okay, what is that? But what can I learn from it? Because every dark side has a light side on the other side. What can I learn from and turn this around here? And I mean, that's how we learn. We learn from mistakes. We learn from challenges and lessons. So to me, those 12 so-called lesson learning cards are the most valuable in the deck. I mean, I, you know, Paul, I, I do Sometimes I, I teach a class on April Fool's Day, April 1st. Yes. I've done this. And so I'm in my class, and the first thing I have them do um, is I have them pick one card. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of less cards is more. Uh, people pick way too many cards. And it becomes sand. It's irrelevant. Yes. But one card, really look at it. What do you get? How do you feel about it? What don't you like in the card is so valuable. Yes. Just, what you're, you know, you're in denial of, or what you're blocking, or your shadow side. I mean, I have people look at, particularly Voyager cards, because it's so rich with symbols. And I always have them look at what don't you like in this card? That is so telling. I mean, that is so brilliant. And the human genius is the ability to look at picture symbols, especially and find meaning in them. I mean, that's the, what about the hieroglyphs going back to ancient Egypt? It wasn't a bunch of abstract letters. It was actual, you know, pictures of a, of a bird or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that is how we learn. So, um, I can't remember what, oh yeah, we're talking about April fools. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I have people pick one card for the rest of their life. Yeah. That's kind of whacked, uh, and most people are going to laugh and not do it. But it's April Fool's, so I so they say, okay, I guess that's what we're supposed to do is pick one card for the rest of my life. Okay, fine. I mean, I do that many times, so <laughs> it's not the only <laughs> time. Right. But so they do it. But I've stacked the deck. Oh. Well, <laughs> Only negative cards. That's so hilarious. <laughs> oh, and they, I love the reactions. I wish I had a video camera. That one after they oh, they turn over their card and they're like, "Oh my god, disappointment for the rest of my life." <laughs> you know? And it's it's so shocking. But a lot of people, a lot of people will say, "This is not for me." Like you just said, uh, I don't need this kind of crap. I don't like the death card and you know, the devil card and all yeah. that rah, rah, rah. Yeah. disappointment. Now this delusion card and Voyager. I don't like this stuff. Well, you know that's, but that's that's where we grow. I mean, the lotus grows out of the mud. The lotus, the most beautiful flower, comes out of the mud, out of the junk, out of the compost heap. I you know, tell I tell people flowers. Flowers grow out of the shit of life, so don't forget yes. where the beauty comes from. Yes, and then and that's how I explain these so-called negative cards. It's it's the compost, and it's fertilizer. It's for growth, so come on. Get with the freaking program, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're just, you know, somebody else's codependent. Oh, well, and living in denial, and, and I've written a book, my latest Voyager book, actually, is called Voyager DIY, Do It Yourself, Mindfulness Psychology. Oh, I got to get that. Is it out? Oh, oh, I'll send you that book. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get it in the mail tomorrow. Uh, but anyway, because um, it, it's a great, uh, actually, my my meditation practice I learned was a Buddhist thing called Vipassana. Uh -huh, I'm familiar. In India. Yeah, and it's basically mindfulness. You're just watching yourself, observing your craziness or whatever sensations. Yeah. Uh, but cards are a, a great mindfulness tool. I mean, you pick a card and you say, oh, right. 
that's something about me because all of us live all of the cards all of the time. They can never, ever, ever, ever be wrong unless you get into this mod- this world of pre- prediction fiction, I call it. Yeah, that's you know, a great concept. I love that. <laughs> yeah, prediction fiction. But if you believe it, that future projection, okay, that's heavy duty, good. And if you take action on it, then you probably you know, there's a good chance you might make it come true. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yes, um, that's here. But mindfulness, to me, that's what tarot really is: is to see ourselves in the mirror, to wake us up and be aware of who we are. Like Plato said, the path of enlightenment is the path of remembering who we are. Because yes. we've forgotten. And and cards are meant to help us remember. Because we live all these cards all the time. There's really nothing new, frankly. But we've forgotten. And so we remember and put our member parts and pieces and centers of consciousness back together by using the cards. So um, that's, in short, kind of what it is. And it's, it's kind of a way that I explain Voyager or Tarot to people today. It's not some, you know, fortune telling, it's fortune creation, but more importantly than that, it's about being self-aware, you know, of who you are, of who you are. That's it. You know, uh, as I'm listening to you, it reminds me of of a story that Carl Jung tells about one time he was giving a seminar and, you know, he, he really is probably the chief pioneer of what is today called art therapy. And he was giving a workshop. And uh, the public was uh, allowed to come to this particular workshop. And he was going to demonstrate uh, a mandala reading. So there was this newspaper reporter that had come to uh, sit in on the class and and write an article about him. But what he didn't know is the reporter didn't like him and was trying to, uh, you know, basically make a fool of him. Right. So. When he said, would anybody in the audience like to come up and, and be a demonstrator? And so the newspaper reporter put his hand up right away and Jung being <laughs> the wise old man said, oh, come on up. And so he, of course, that had the guy draw a circle and he says, OK, now just relax and draw whatever comes to your mind. And so the guy then, you know, does his little sketch and hands it to Jung and Jung starts interpreting it. And before Jung could even finish what he was saying, the guy interrupted him and said, well, you know, Dr. Jung, I knew you were a fraud. He says, I I faked all that. And Jung looked at him and smiled and he said, and yes, who did it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, who did it? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Right. Uh, Wow. Well, that. That's a really, that's quite a, I mean, that's quite a story. Isn't it powerful? It's very powerful. You know, and I must say in all the years that I've done, and I've been teaching tarot and doing consultations with the cards and all that stuff for 40 years now, 40 years, and maybe only once or twice in a class I've been teaching, do I have somebody who's a skeptic, you know? And say, well, how can you say, rah, 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 rah. and, I, and I, I just say, and they, they want to know how does it work? And what they, what drives them crazy is when I say it's a mystery, Ooh, that makes them totally nuts, you know, and I can use some big words and all that, but I think there's some real quantum uh, science about it, actually. Oh, I at do least, too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, at least we know these, by the way, there is a, um, there is it's very interesting because people ask that question. So how does it work? How can me picking a card face down 
be correct. Be me. Well, th- the first thing is the cards are all you anyway, so they can't be wrong. So, okay. Uh, that, but that, but then they kind of lose the magic of it. But how can it, the card be so true of me? How can it be just so accurate? And, and I, and I'd say, well, you know, that's, that is the mystery. And, and Carl Jung might say it's synchronicity and, yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and okay, I get it. We like, we love that, mm-hmm. but there's a guy and I don't know if you've heard of him and I can't remember his name, but he's, he goes by the, the mind, mind, uh, no card, card mechanic. Huh? Never heard of him. Yeah. Okay. This, and there's a, a film about him, the card mechanic. And he's been blind, I think, from birth or from early childhood, blind, completely blind. And for hours a day, for who knows what reason, he would play with cards. And ultimately, he learned just a playing deck of cards. And he would just hold the card, and he could see what the card was in in his so-called third eye. He could see it. He could visualize it just by touching the card with his hands, his fingertips. Yes. Now that to me is a quantum, amazing, weird uh, thing. That's probably true. You yeah, know? you know, like, clairvoyance. Yeah, that's clairvoyance exactly, and that's why I say hands have eyes. Hands have eyes. Hands have eyes. So uh, when I when people ask me how to pick cards, I say just trust your hands. Just try, don't, th- no, you're not going to think about it because that's ridiculous, but just let your hands do the picking, let your hands do the thinking basically, you know, and that makes, that's one of the greatest things right there about the tarot is learning to trust your intuition, trust the mystery, trust the quantum, trust your hands, trust the unknown, the invisible, because a lot of us are just not trusting we have to know in advance and be certain and comfortable and secure with it and all that kind of stuff. But that's not really the world. No, Most it isn't. It's just, it's just, it's just, uh, it's not realistic. And, you know, Buddha said the only universal constant is change and trying to create the illusion of everything being exactly how you want it every day is completely admitting the ignorance of the fact that we are all co-creating everything together. Exactly. And, you know, as much as we're responsible, we are part of this greater collective <laughs> that has its forces as well. But I love what you said. And what I do is my spiritual practice with the tarot is a card a day. Yeah. I say a card a day keeps the therapist away. <laughs> ah, yes, indeed. I, there's something I was wanting to share there. I, I've gravitated towards three cards a day uh-huh. um, just because that's what my soul guided me to. And yep. what I found that's amazing is, you know, I've been doing it every morning for two years now and rarely wow. ever miss a day. And when I, when I'm traveling, if I don't have card decks and I just ask my soul to give me the numbers. So I just say, okay, what is, what's, is there a major arcana today? Yes. Give me the number. I'm clairvoyant as well. So I can just see the image come up. Right. Or right. I'll see the number come up. Right. Right. But uh, one of the right. things that I found out quite early on is because I'm a therapist and I consult people from all over the world with all sorts of life challenges and needing me to help them make major decisions about should I get a divorce or what <laughs> should, should I have the cancer cut out or right whatever. right so right <laughs> what what I started noticing right away is in the beginning I would pull cards and something inside me said that that card can't be for me so I'd say to my soul so is that card for me and the answer would be no then I would look at my list of clients and I'd say, is it for this person? And I, uh-huh. because I know what's going on in their lives, 
and then I would get a yes for the right person. Right. And so then I would wait and see what unfolded. And lo and behold, man, just like clockwork, there it is. I'm like, I, cause I have my card spread right sure. in front of me for today. For today, I've got eight of wands, the hermit, and I'm talking to him right now and the 10 of cups. Okay. And, and so what I would also notice is that sometimes I would pull, you know, one of your 16 challenge cards and I would say, to my soul, is that for me? And, and the answer would be yes. And so though I might not feel that that's part of the energy of the day, inevitably something would come up. So let's say I pulled 14 temperance. Um, what I would find is I, I begin to realize that my soul was guiding me by saying, there's going to come a point today where you're going to need to practice temperance if you want to maintain equilibrium and not fall into reflexive program behavior. And lo and behold, I was able to realize that I was actually getting a precognitive weather report so that I could prepare myself to be ready for when the lightning strikes the tower or when I'm working with someone who's, uh, you know, got the five of cups or one of the challenge cards so that I could then step into conscious awareness of, okay, here, here it is. I was, I was given the gift of awareness that this is coming. Now is my chance to manage myself in a way that brings harmony into the relationship. And I've found that just to be a, such an amazing tool. <laughs> a tool is right, but it is an amazing tool. That's, that's what, you know, I'm doing this for 40 years and I have a lot of Gemini in my chart. So I get bored pretty easily with a lot of stuff. Um, I've never gotten bored with cards because it's the power of surprise. Like, Oh my God, look at that. Car. Oh no. Oh, ah, ah. you know what I mean? And surprise along with the uh, synchronicity. It's like so powerful. It jars your head around. And those of us who have had powerful head damage, <laughs> you know, we love it. Yeah. We love that new stimulation. Now, uh, Paul, I picked a card for today. And I picked the moon. Oh, right on. And we're deep into the reflection on all of this. Exactly. Because the moon is a reflective planet. I mean, it doesn't shine itself. It reflects the sun. And here we are. And to me, it's also going into that, the dream world, the night world. And because tarot and symbols and imagery and metaphor is all about either the collective unconscious or the personal subconscious. It's, it's, it's that underneath stuff. That a lot, some people are really afraid of. I mean, I mean, they don't want to deal with this at all. I mean, I've been called the devil, you know, I've been called whacked and woo woo and the tarot guy, like the cable guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had my share. I've been everything from the devil to having long, nasty letters from Christians to people putting me on prayer lists to being a cult leader to a hippie to you name it. I'm right there with you. But that that's what happens when you become the wise fool and you're rising above the archetypes. Right. Well, you know, back to that point about clairvoyance. Um, I was, I call it the no card card reading, the no card card reading, meaning if, for example, if somebody, um, I was doing a radio interview show and people were calling in and wanted a little reading from me and I forgot the cards. 
So now I go into deep crisis, like, oh, God, now what am I going to do? And I said, well, I'll just close my mind, close my eyes, and let the card come up yes. in my mind's eye. And it's, it's, it's so true, and it's so beautiful and easy and powerful. I yes. mean, and, th and, that, and that saved my life. Sort of once, once I was teaching in Germany and I was in an, it was in an industrial, you know, kind of a building during the weekend. And I went with my publisher, German publisher Voyager to go teach the class. And we got trapped in the elevator and there's nobody in this building at this time. We're early for the class. There's nobody around. And I get a little claustrophobic. Uh -huh. I'm starting to freak out a little bit, you know, starting to sweat and da da da. And my publisher friend says, well, now what would your cards say? I mean, it was so cool that you can't even take your own medicine sometimes, you know? Yeah. And, I, and so I just closed my eyes and visualized uh, a card in Voyager called the Two of Crystals, which is called equanimity. Ah. Equanimity, which is the balance and peace of mind. Yes. And you look at the card, it's cool blue and all that kind of stuff. And I just visualized that. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, I was cool. I was chill. I was balanced. I was saved. <laughs> yeah. It's, saved it, by my own medicine. It is in the Voyager, is is the moon still 18? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't, you know, Voyager, I've made a lot of changes, but I've never really changed uh, the like the major arcana, the personality archetypes of the heart and soul of the tarot. I mean, right. really, that's, you know, and I do, that's where it's at. And I didn't, I didn't play around with the numbers on that at all, but I did play around with the titles of the cards. Right. Well, the reason uh, I asked is because you pulled 18, I right. pulled nine, eight and one is nine. That's right. We're, well, we're dancing, baby. <laughs> Well, how do you like to dance, Paul? Since um, I'm the reflective one, I'll be the woman and I'll follow you. And you're the hermit, but you don't even freaking want to dance. <laughs> I, I I just let it flow. You know, I, I believe in spontaneous movement. Right. Well, I'm a free dancer uh, myself uh, here. I have one, uh, a super card. I mean, one of the things I did different, again, with uh, from traditional classic tarot. I don't know if you want to get into this at all. Um, uh, yeah, well, let's let's rock and roll. I mean, I got a lot of questions, but I'm having fun. And I think everything we're talking about is important for people to hear. Um, so, yeah, let's go. And then and then I'll just keep. Yeah, well, going again, down I, the list. I, 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 to me, tarot is is the map of life. It's the road map. And, you know, we are so dependent on maps. I mean, I don't get in a car without uh, going onto my GPS or talking to Siri or whatever, right. you know. We need maps for it. We have maps of the moon. We have maps of the sea. We have maps of everything, but we don't, I don't feel we have an adequate life map. I agree. And, you know, if I was an astrologer, boy, would I be different than the way astrology is done today? Oh, I would be so different uh, because of all the discoveries we've made because of the Voyager spacecraft. Yay. My little hero, <laughs> which is in the, in the universe card. Yeah. Uh, that's there. And so I'm trying to remember where I was going with this conversation. Well, yes. You were so saying I, if you were an astrologer, you'd be doing it very differently. Yeah, but, so I've made some changes with the old tarot. So, for example, um, old tarot's got these kings and queens, the so-called royalty cards. Right. 
And uh, they're nice. I mean, I mean, we know Roy, we know Kings and Queens and Page and Prince and Knight and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, most political systems are not that anymore. That is an antiquated system that is old and I don't like it. So I cut off their heads uh, with Voyager Tarot. No more royalty, no more Kings and Queens. It's the human family. So instead of a king, queen, knight, and princess or something like that, I have four cards. I have a sage, a grand- grandmother, grandfather, a man, a woman, and a child, our own inner family. Right. And so I, I, that's, I think that's a great change because I wanted to get Voyager out of that medieval, political, white, European culture and world. That's not it anymore. Sorry. We're moving on here. We've evolved. Our favorite word. That's <laughs> we- that's exactly why I said earlier, when I got your book, I had to start using your book to interpret the Rider weight deck because all that, exactly what you're talking about, old-fashioned stuff. When I read your book, I go, okay, now I can make sense of this thing in a way that actually fits the era that I'm in and the reality of my life. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was the intention with Voyager. And that's why it took so many years to make because it's detailed. Yes, it is. Know? It's comprehensive, uh, like crazy. But so anyways, I have a one, one card called the man, the man, not king or queen or any of this stuff. The man of wands. Wands is one of the four suits in a tarot deck. Mm-hmm. And wands represents the element of light and fire. It's yes. fire. Mm-hmm. And which is interesting in all my wands cards in Voyager, there's a hand in all of them. I didn't know. I, I'm a real believer. If you want to be intuitive, I didn't sit down and imagine every card before we started. We had no clue. I would just collect images. And all of a sudden I noticed with the wands cards, the suit of wands, when we started making them after the third or fourth year of doing this stuff uh, with my art partner, Ken, uh, I, I had a hand in each of the wands cards, a hand. And I thought, well, that's good. And now the hands have eyes. Hands are in- amazingly intelligent. But anyway, so there's the man of wands is got as is the dancer, right I mean, on. Uh, oh yeah, or the Kindu, the warrior. I mean, it could be the the you know all these kind of Eastern arts, the Asian arts of movement and all that kind of stuff. And you don't find that. In no. the old classic European stuff. I mean, so it's so rich to bring in these new. And I, I, why am I bringing this up? Because we've been dancing. We're dancing here. We are, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, you know, Jung and Marie Louise von Franz speak of numbers as archetypes that express the subjective aspect of numbers. And tarot has such a strong correlation with numerology. I'm, yeah. wondering, I'm wondering if you can share your thoughts on the correlation between the subjective influence of the number and the meanings of the uh, tarot arcana, particularly major arcana, as they correlate with the numbers they're assigned to. Yeah, that's that is a really interesting question, and uh, you know, I had to I, I had to get into it when I wrote the Way of the Great Oracle book for sure because numerology is in there. But I okay, so one of the numbers I really love is. I don't know if it's a number or not, but it's zero. That's my favorite number. You hit it. <laughs> okay, here we are. We're dancing. And the zero card in the tarot is called the fool. Now, in, in Voyager, I called that card the fool child. Mm-hmm. It's that natural, magical, intuitive 
kid in us that's insatiable and intuitive and but it's it's zero it's a big-eyed kid like what's that and why is that and where are we going and what's what's it all about alfie or whatever you know it's zero we don't know and like kids don't know but they just jump they just try it they look at what looks like a, a, a yellow thing or orange thing and it's oh so they put their hands in it it happens to be a flame but that's the fool the full child as we learn by jumping into the unknown. Yeah. And to me, it's the adventure of living. And so the, and by the way, the fool goes back to the word fall in Latin, which means wind or wind bag. And the, like the old fool is the old wind bag, right. you know, but fool, but the breath is prana, you know, in, in India, uh, it's prana. It's the wisdom. It's the life breath. It's the life force coming into us through the breath. Yes. And the life force is pretty damn infinite, I believe. <laughs> and and no. So hence the zero card along with the breath and the fool all correlates magnificently. I mean, I love that, that number Me for, that, too. for that particular archetype. And then I guess like take a number like, oh, one of my favorites is number three. For mm -hmm. example, three is the empress. Yes. And the empress is the creatives. It's the mother. That's one of her qualities is the mother, the creatress, yes. uh, mother nature and so on. Nurture. Yeah. And, but it's like you take one and two man and woman and what happens when they get together, they make three, a kid. Yes. So the three is a number of synthesis yes of bringing together the opposites and the and real opposites are number one the magician who's totally active making the new world whereas two the priestess is totally reflecting the feminine reflecting and receiving all that stuff that the magicians put out the one and two the magician and the priestess are diametrically opposite to each other uh -huh. the alchemy and then you put them together you know, and again, and again, you have this, this new, this new creation that's here. And then, and let's say, so now you have the Empress three. What about the emperor who was four? Four is four square. And you look at the pyramids or whatever, they're all built on the square pretty much and right angles and all of that. And that is the square. And that is number four, four yes. square. So, I mean, you, you can really look, I mean, there are some real interesting obvious correlations between these numbers some of them i think are a lot more obscure mm -hmm. right i mean but like the number you picked the hermit today right yes hermit in is traditionally number nine nine is the most whole w-h-o-l-e number in in all of mathematics and numbers and everything any way you screw around with the number nine you're going to come ba back to three i don't care right. how you yeah like it, whatever it, it's going to be three. It's the only number that has that a total integrity, that total wholeness, that total consistency that's there. And the hermit, to me, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that, of the name hermit, frankly. I think it's a little misleading because people, people see the hermit, they go, oh, I don't want to be alone. Well, okay, fine. But it's a lot deeper than that. It sure but is. It, it, it's, it's the holizer. It's the one who is completely inclusive of the inner and the outer, the inner self, the, our inner universe, and applying that into our outer world. And that's actually what I do with the tarot. I take all this inside information through these symbols and this map of life and then apply it in how I live um, here. So that number of nine is the perfect number for this totally whole 
archetype, uh, although I think it's kind of misnamed. I would probably call it something else if I did the deck again, actually. Uh huh. Well, one of the things that Jung, you know, Jung was a real number four guy. And one of the things he points out in his writing, and I've rarely seen in other places except for a few good numerology books, is that if you add one plus two plus three plus four, you get one and two is three and three is six and four is ten. So yeah. he, he shows you that everything that's in our base 10 system is actually included in the first four numbers, but it recapitulates itself. Ah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's really cool. That's it, really cool. And then, but then also in the, I mean, you can, oh, we can, <laughs> we can spend hours with this one here, you know, but I love. 19, which is the sun, one plus nine, yes. 19. Uh, 19, I don't know anything specific about 19, let's say. Um, but then that reduces to 10. One plus nine is 10, which is fortune. Yes. And then one plus zero is one, the magician. And when I, one of the things I do with readings and cards is figure out a person's life cards. Yes. We could that's, call them soul cards or whatever. Yeah, that's, but, in, that's in my question. So I'm excited yeah. that you're talking about that, the life, the life path or the soul path and the personality path, because I was curious as to how you how important those are and, and, and how they, how you feel they function. Right. Well, I, I don't, well, number one, I don't break them down into soul life person. I don't, I, I just keep it simple. They're li- to me, it's just life cards. Okay? okay. Whether they're double digit or not, I don't really care. They're life cards. Okay. Uh, but boy, when you start looking at some people have the life cards, when you add up their birth numbers, add up to 19 and then 10 and one, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. But, but that's the potential. I just life cards don't indicate well that you're actually going to live this. You should and you could, but sometimes life cards to me sometimes symbolize or show that that's where a person is most blocked. That's their karma. That's what they're here to learn in this lifetime. Here. Yeah, that makes but, a lot of sense. But I, I kind of like what you did. Uh, you you picked a card for somebody, and then you see if it comes up. I, I'll sometimes do that with a client. I'll determine their life cards based on their birth date numbers and then i'll just keep it quiet and see when they come up or how they come up you know but i tell you the life card thing is what sold me on the tarot because when i learned because i'm a number seven and the seven in the tarot is the chariot and the chariot is the traveler and i am a tremendous traveler voyager all my life so when i i learned that i'm a chariot seven i said "Ooh, that correlates yes Check that box. Yeah, and, but also a Taurus, and the Taurus, and because uh, every major archetype card is correlated with the twelve signs in the zodiac, right? You know, which is another cool thing. And that traditionally, the hierophant, the number five Buddha, the teacher, and sometimes the Pope in the old tarot, which I don't really dig that I, much. I don't either. In fact, when <laughs> I when I was doing my meditations on that, I said to my soul. And great spirit, I said, you know, I really don't like all this Christian hierarchy, priest, uh, you know, the whole right, thing. It right. just stinks too much for me. And I said, so please connect me to the authentic meaning of the hierophant. And all right. of a sudden, in my inner vision, I was surrounded by yogis and Sufis. And uh, <laughs> it was like all the mystics were around me, Rumi and all yep. of these guys. I'm like, oh, OK, now we're getting down to, you know, ground level with some reality here. And, right. And that's one right. of the things that I think is so important is when you're working with the cards, 
If you don't make it your own internal process and get out of the way of all your programming, then you're just stuck right where you started. You're, you're, not, you're now you're just playing with pieces of paper. Well, that's, you know, and I, I I say that a lot, you know, people sometimes believe so much in this card. Oh, this is it. This is the future. And I say, dude, it's a piece of paper. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I, I was not too long ago, I was coaching a guy who comes from a heavy fundamentalist Christian background. And when he first came for his first session here, he flew to spend time with me. And, and, uh, I said, well, we're going to start with a tarot reading. And he just like, looked at me like, oh my God. He says, you know, that's that's supposed to be devil worship. And I said, look, these are nothing but images painted on cards. I'm like, if if you can turn that into the devil, then the devil's right inside of you. <laughs> well, and the devil is basically ignorance. And that that most people are coming from ignorance. Yeah. You know, about this kind of stuff. But back to that hierophant, which is a really weird word. It's actually a Greek word, hiero, like hieroglyphs in Egypt. Hiero means to reveal. Right. Reveal. Font in Greek is the light. So it's the revealer of the light, the enlightened one. I love the it. Great, the great masters, the great seers, the great, you know, yogis, and like everybody you're talking about. Yeah. And, and it's also the Taurus card. And I happen to be a Taurus. Yes. Uh, and actually born on Earth Day, April 22. So, which is a master number, which I really kind of like that. So, okay, fine. But that's my other life card. And I kind of related the Hierophant as uh, on the path of enlightenment as a teacher. Here is a great teacher. Um, and because it's also the throat chakra, which is Taurus. Yes. And, so, and I'm a speaker. I could use my voice. I can get very deep. Ladies and gentlemen, you know. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was uh, I was a quarterback in high school and I was a little skinny kid and I I was a freshman and I got in the huddle with the varsity guys all these big guys and I got in the huddle and said okay we're gonna go far some big tackle said what the hell is this how where did your voice come from <laughs> from my root. <laughs> right but anyway back to the hierophant the hierophant is the speaker of the truths. And whether you actually do it through a vocal language or through a symbolic language or through art or whatever, it's revealing to the world the greatest, deepest universal principles and archetypes of life. And that's my mission. That's what I seek to do um, and be. So when I realize I'm the chariot and the hierophant, my life cards, I'm also the traveling chariot teacher hierophant. And that's what I do. I'm a traveling teacher. I go all over the world teaching this stuff. So. That's, that's beautiful. And I, I totally dig that. And and this is the magic that is in the tarot that so many people with all this religious programming don't realize that they're so trapped in this silliness. In fact, you know, it's funny that you mentioned zero because in my system of education, I teach that zero is the only numerical expression of what God really is. Because absolutely, absolutely. It's, yep. it's God, if God is unconditional love, zero is the only symbol we have that represents no condition except whatever you impose upon it. Right. Absolutely. It's infinite. Zero. I mean, you can't quantify. I mean, it's here, there, everywhere, all the time, ever that, present. Yeah, that's that's the mystery, right? That's, right. You know, that's it. It's, that's it's, it. And that's why it's so important for me. The zero fool or fool child is the most important archetype in the tarot by far. 
Yeah, I, I really agree. And I tell people there's two expressions of the fool and each of your lives will tell you which one you're living out. There's the immature fool that yes. acts foolishly and bangs into thing and ends up in jail or addicted to drugs or making a mess right. of his life. But then right. there's the wise fool who's, you know, right. Carl Jung says no tree can grow to heaven until its roots reach to hell. So I say you're the you're the immature fool until you find enough hell to start growing towards heaven. Then you <laughs> then you start growing toward the hierophant and you'll meet number five on the way. <laughs> you know, what's so interesting? I totally get that. And I love that. That's a great quote from Jung. Uh, you know, the one thing about Jung, I mean, he is such a deep think a pioneer of archetypes. Yes. And, and, I mean, this is depth. Tarot is depth psychology. It really it, is. It, totally. And because I take a lot of the negative stuff and turn it around, it's also cognitive behavior therapy. It's it sure CBT. is. It's mindfulness psychology. It is a grand, grand psychology um, that's here. But one thing about Jung, uh, he also wrote a book called The uh, Soul of Nature. I never, I, I didn't know about that. I know about yeah, his book, it's, uh, it's, Man in Search of His Soul. Yeah, no, no, yeah, right. It's, it's, it's. I thought this is because I didn't know that either, and somehow I saw it in some bookstore or whatever, and and I, the cover of it was so interesting to me. Here is, of course, he's old world guy, obviously mm -hmm. European, all that. He's he's looking on a stone, looking at nature in his suit. <laughs> yeah, and he he is such an intellectual giant. However, yes. That he could grok it by his intellectual means, I'm pretty sure. But I, I don't think he ever got down into the mud. I don't see him doing that. And so I've actually done a nature deck called Sustain Yourself Cards, um, which is 101 nature cards. I'm mostly known for tarot, but I'm a real green man. I'm a nature boy. Yeah, yeah. And, and my deepest teachings really come from nature. And that's all this sustain and green man stuff and all that that I've done. But I just had such a good time experiencing nature, uh, getting into the mud, getting into the ocean, diving in and feeling it. So I'm probably more of a poet in a lot of ways or an artist than an intellectual giant. That's for sure. Well, I, <laughs> I think that's gorgeous. And, you know, I've got... Um, I've got a book of Persian poetry called The Drunken Mystic, and it is absolutely oh. <laughs> freaking badass. I mean, I tell, I give it to, to friends and people that are ready for something that, that's that deep. But right. when, when you read this book, I'm like, if you want to meet God, read yeah. this book <laughs> and you will realize there are highly realized human beings on this planet. And just because they're not on the evening news doesn't mean they're out there, but you, the, the truth is, and I know, I think you'll agree with this. These kinds of books and people don't show up in your life until you're ready for them anyhow. And if they did, you, you, you know, I tell people all the time, if Jesus showed up in church today, they'd kick him out. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> First of all, they would think he was lying because they'd be looking for a blonde haired, blue eyed guy. And I'm like, you gotta be <laughs> fucking kidding me. The guy was a middle Eastern man. I mean, talk about projecting your shadow. <laughs> And I don't well, want I don't want people to get it wrong. I don't have anything against Christianity. No, I mean, no, you, but but it's a fact. You're talking about the truth. Yeah, of, of life here. You, hey, you know, it's funny. Uh, one in the some of the old classic tarot decks, uh, the star card, which is Aquarius. Um, so it's kind of there's some water involved in a bowl of water and whatever. Yeah. 
a lot of the classic decks would have this beautiful blonde woman with blue eyes half naked in this pool of water i thought wow i mean i saw it was in hollywood yeah, no. yeah, well, the, the, I mean, the right of weight deck has exactly that. She's got very well, much the same as the 14, which is she's got the two urns of water and one right. foot's in and one foot's out. Right. right. That's the Aquarian thing. And she's beautiful and, and all that. And and when I looked at that card, and I, OK, I know that card. But now when I get to Voyager and I have to make the star card. Oh, that was the last image I am going to use. So I went to Quan Yin you know, the Asian goddess yes. of enlightenment and beauty and mercy and love and yeah. and all this incredible stuff and not some good looking chick, you know, have it splashing around in the water. I just thought that was so goofy. I mean, the, the early stuff drives me bats when yeah. I look at it. And the devil card, oh my God, I don't even want to look at the devil card in some of these decks. It's it Now that looks evil and satanic to me. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you something funny. I just had two uh, famous people, uh, you know, full contact martial artists. And one of them, it was sharing with me that he was raised a Jehovah's Witness, which it was obvious he'd healed a lot of. I mean, probably all of it because, you know, we're smoking pot together. So um, (laughs) uh, I forgot that, you know, I had my tarot draw for the day. And and here I am interviewing these guys and I pulled the devil card and I thought, oh, this means we're going to talk about being free today. Because, of course, I I studied James Wanless, man. And so... (laughs) I forgot that my cards were on my desk oh, and, God. and they were walking around looking and I'm like, oh my God, I wonder what the hell that poor guy thinks I'm doing up here. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking, you know, like my comment on, because a lot of people think I'm very anti-religion, I'm really not. And I often quote Jung who said, all religious systems are designed to protect you from the direct experience of God. And that's such a deep statement, most people don't get it, but I think it's damn true. Oh, I mean, to, to have to go through a priest, for example, you know, to, to be in touch with God, I mean, that's nuts. I mean, that's the old world. It's a hierarchical world. And the shape of the old world was the pyramid. And it's a hierarchy with the with the the king or the priest is uh, priestess up top, and the rest go down and down and dominions and slaves and blah blah blah. That is the old world. The new world is the circle. Amen. You know where we all teaching each other. You know, for, and that's why actually I I love people reading cards for other people without having to be totally psychic or a medium or qualified in some kind of way like that uh i think you have to be very responsible i mean it's one thing to use the cards for your own growth that's one thing it's a little bit different as you would know when you have to be responsible and deal with other people's lives yeah you can mislead people terribly right it's a huge responsibility yeah and uh you know i'm pretty kind i just boy i'm very conservative about how i read cards and i'm basically very proactive i'm I'm a coach more of a mapper i'll show we through the cards we'll see how you can create the future of your desire how you can do this and follow the number one archetype in the tarot the magician because the magician is the manifester out of zero nothing the magician one is able to make something out of nothing something out of nothing that's one from zero yes. and so the, the principles of the magician are in the four aces it's such a holistic map 
And that's where I don't get that some of these makers of the suits of cards and all that knew exactly what they were doing. I don't know about that. Because when I started making Voyager, I, I wanted to make a very holistic deck where if you're a number two priestess archetype, all the number twos, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, have to be qualities of that priestess. Yes. And I didn't really care what other decks did. I mean, I incorporated a lot of their stuff, might have renamed it, might have put a different number on it. But boy, the reason it took four years of Voyager is because I really made it a holistic psychology, this map of life that's totally integrated that way but so back to the magician if you're number one look at the four aces the aces have the value of number one yes. and the four aces in voyager illumination brilliance you know ecstasy and success i mean there's are top cards we want all of this stuff but they give us the four principles of how to manifest the reality that you want to make happen in the material physical world and it's see it feel it believe it and do it and those are the four suits of the cards seeing it is the wands the illumination the spiritual i see enlightenment the fire the light i see it i visualize i visualize it you come down to the heart i feel it i feel it the emotions cups cups the suit i feel it you got the, the motivation but then you have to believe it which a lot don't and that's of course the mental level in voyager it's crystals not these swords and blood and all this crap and it's about believe i believe it i affirm i affirm i can i am i can i am and then ace of worlds not pentacles worlds and voyager different planets they're the do cards the action cards the physical right so see it feel it believe it and do it and that is the magic formula it is i love it man I, that's that's the first time i've ever heard it put that way and it's gorgeous. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really love that. Well, and th and it's I when I teach, I make it into a bit of a song and a dance. I'm I'm pretty physical and expressive. And I've had two Japanese bands or singers create songs in Japanese of I see it and I feel it and I believe it and I do it. And, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's it's well, great. You know, in in it, what I did is I created teaching songs for my students for my holistic lifestyle coaching program, which is a uh, takes about a year and a half to complete. But I found people were that's the hierophant. That is the hierophant, by the way, the well, power of voice song. Yeah. Yes, and so what happened was is people kept being so intellectual about all this stuff, and you know, getting too heady and not you know missing the key point of what people needed. So I created. I went back into the native traditions of of oral transmission. So the reason I'm sharing this with you is because in my system, number one correlates with, I have a system of four doctors and I say, these are the four doctors that you have to have conscious contact with or your life will fall out of balance. Dr. Happiness, Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, and Dr. Movement. And mm -hmm. Dr. Happiness is the magician. So I want to share the song with you. Dr. Happy is the dreamer. Dr. Happy is the dreamer. Dr. Happy is the dreamer, don't you know? Dr. Happy sets your rhythms. Your rhythms set your pressure and your rhythms and your pressure make your flow. And your rhythms and your pressure make your flow. Ho, ho. So like the song. Ho, ho, ho. I ho. love that. Yeah. That's Santa, right. man. Santa's arrived to bring you exactly what you're wishing for. Make sure you're conscious of it. Well, and, and to put it in song form is so memorable. Exactly. I mean, come on. So, I mean, that is a great teaching tool. And that's like the see it, feel it, believe it, and do it thing. Yes. And so I tell them, I said, look, all you got to do is memorize the songs. And if you pay attention, the words right. tell you everything you need to know to coach yourself or coach another person. And you don't need to go beyond that. 
Well, I totally, oh, I get it. And, you know, and back, back to the show and the archetypes, these 22 personality types, they, I, I communicate with them. I don't need a piece of paper. I don't need the cards to do that because they are within us. They're all sub personalities. Yes. So when I get confused, for example, I don't know what the hell am I going to do now? I go to my inner priestess. Yeah. I do. I get the union active imagination. Exactly. I see her and I talk to her. I ask her the question and I get a very short, no BS answer. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I, that's exactly the Egyptian system is to use active imagination. You and meditate on the card till it becomes alive in you. Exactly. And, and you really sort of don't need cards. I know you wrote to me about uh, at one point, Jung not needing the I Ching right. cards because once you've used the map enough times, you've, we've internalized it. Right. So a lot of times I don't particularly want to pick a card, but I, I want to know what my card is for the day or what about the situation in my mind's eye, I'll just see the card comes up and that's my card. And then I'll act it out. And so a lot of what I call tarot is face up tarot. I don't always pick cards face down. I don't well, need to do that. I think, that's, I think there's a lot of legitimacy in that. You know, it's like, uh, I'm trying to remember what exact aspect it is, but uh, it was Angeles Arian's book that I was studying and, and um, it was determining what your, um, what's it, what's signifier, it called? The signifier yeah. card. Right. She said, right. look at the cards, yeah. and choose the one that seems to be most a representation of who you feel you are. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. a, there's a face up orientation. Yes, Totally. Oh, I'm a big believer in face up to row. I mean, I'll, I'll have people, uh, I'll give them a series of questions and I have the cards out there. Like for example, uh, the suit of worlds, which in pinnacles in classic throw is worlds of different planets. And there's 14 of them. Okay. But they give us the formula for business success. They're all very, very worldly. And I'll go through and talk about each one of these very briefly and then I'll have the, the client or the students, you know, just face up. They're listening. They have the cards face up. They're going along with, you know, as they talk about them and they pick, uh, you know, just as they think about it, their strength card and their weakness card right. out of those 14 about their business. Mm-hmm. And then they discuss it. They're with their partner and blah, blah, blah. And then I haven't put them face down <laughs> and, then, and maybe see the truth, you know, <laughs> because the value of face down is brilliant. It's so cool because it breaks us free. It busts us of our, you know, a t- traditional habitual way of thinking. Yes, like, that's important. Oh, totally. Because one day I might think, oh, I'm the freaking, I'm the emperor. I'm on top of the world. I'm the magician, whatever. And then I get the fool or something. Hey, yeah. <laughs> busted, busted. Yeah. You know, yeah. We've, we've kind of alluded to, to some of this already, but I do want to ask you this question directly because I do want to hear your answer. And I think it's important for other people to hear. What part of us do you feel is actually choosing the cards? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, I have <laughs> ideas. I, I mean, I, people hate that when I say that. I really, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of big words. And the, to me, they're words. And like, you know, like the Buddha said, you you can't define you know, enlightenment in words. No, you really can't. So uh, words are just kind of a, a you know a way of uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they they explain it to our brain that wants to have words and have right. an idea of rationality mm-hmm. that's here. But uh, honestly, to me, I I do go with the mystery, and and people hate that. I mean, they hate it. 
but I'm okay with it because I, I can't tell you that, although I, I love synchronicity and I, you know, I, I'm a big believer in synchronicity that we're, it's all a vibration. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, and so in a way, maybe that explains it. We are a vibration. Cards are a vibration. You're a vibe, a whole damn, everything's vibration. Yeah. Everything is connected to everything. Everything is connected to everything. So my vibe is going to pick a card that is a compatible vibe. Or if I'm really nervous and anxious picking a card and upset and, oh, my God, I'm probably going to pick a card that reflects that state because, you know, everything is connected to everything. And it's all a vibration. So we're on that vibe, on that frequency. So that's kind of the way I would explain it um, to myself. That's perfect. I, I. And I'm all about the mystery. I mean, I tell people, if you can't handle a mystery, you better stay the hell away from a shaman in a psychedelic journey because you're going to get your ass handed back to you. Here, here, have some ayahuasca here. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, see right. If you, see if you can control the outcome of this. <laughs> of the, or the upcoming or the outcoming out of your mouth when you have to vomit. By and, the and the other end, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, you've been there. All oh, right. yeah. Many times. Oh, oh. Oh my gosh. But I, but I know not to hold on when it wants out. <laughs> well, what do you tell people when, okay. So a lot of times I'm at a party or wherever and people ask me, what do I do? Oh, that is the worst question in my life. What do I do? Because I don't want to tell them I'm a tarot reader because then I'm bunched in with all this stuff that I just can't stand, frankly. Yeah. You know, I really can't deal with it. And then, so then I'm dancing around, well, you know, I do kind of a spiritual psychology or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, and I just wonder, well, in your case, you, you have a more legit field, I think with health and wellness, right? Well, yes, but I'm actually, my license, by the way, the answer to the, to the, yeah. what, the what do I do? my soul led me to exactly where I needed to be to do the work on this planet that I'm doing. I am a holistic health practitioner. That's my okay. license. And right. and that's what you and I are talking about really, isn't right. it? Right. But we don't have a nice word like holistic health practitioner. We don't have that. Well, it, it's yours it, now. <laughs> well, Hey, thank you. But it, it, well, that's true. I mean, it is. And it's it, the, the bane of my life and the cross I've had to bear is that that T word tarot. Yes. You know? I, 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 was, I never forget, I was on a plane flying from Miami to San Francisco and, and the woman next to me was, you know, whatever. So I'm, I had my cards out doing something and she kept looking at me and she finally said, what are you doing? What is this? And I said, I'm a tarotist, a tarot, tarotist. Yeah. And she freaked out. She thought I meant terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> And she went apeshit bananas, you know, and I'm like, wait, 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 it's okay. I'm not a tarot. I'm a tarot. <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, uh, it's, if you look at the word tarot, T-A-R-O-T, it's got art, zero, and time. We are in the art of expressing zero in as time. That's brilliant. That's You should write a tarot article, Paul. Well, <laughs> I you that. know, I, I'm going to write a health I'm going to produce my own health tarot deck. That's one of the reasons I asked you if I could hire you as a consultant because of, you know, Angelie's Arian's gone now. She would have been one of my first choices right up there with you. Um, You know, and uh, actually I had a question I wanted to ask you. One of the more juicy books is Benabel Wen's Holistic Tarot. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I am. It was just too big for me. It's Uh, big. It's a monster. But the reason I'm asking you is because 
she gives a table of numerological correlations, but she correlates the aces with 11. I was wondering if you had any insights on why she gave them the number 11 instead of one. Well, that's weird. I mean, I don't know if it's weird, but I never, I've never heard that before. Um, is that one, one you mean? Yeah, or, uh, I it's, mean, it's the number 11. Yeah. And the only thing I could come up with is maybe she needed to separate them from archetype number one, the magician somehow. I, yeah, I guess. I, I, yeah, I, I really don't know. But, well, you know, the one thing that I really love about um, the major arcana, because that's, again, where it's at. That's the royal road. Yes. You know? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I've really taken it. I have a, a, a in, in teaching all my classes. I have a one. One class is called from fool to fortune, from zero to ten. Mm-hmm. From fool to fortune, like what the hell do I know? I'm zero. I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. But you follow the principles of the magician, the priestess, and the empress. One, two, three, four, five, blah, blah, up to ten. Uh, you've got your base of life. You have got the roots, you know, for having a great, okay, fulfilling life. But if you really want to live your truth and be who your purpose to be, you have to go through a change, the transformation archetypes, which are 11 through 16. Yeah. And the 16 card, the tower, people hate that card from the, I love the tower. The tower to me is the breakout card in the deck. It's the radical. I am finished with you finished with that. I'm breaking out. I'm going to be me, do me, whatever, whatever. And, but it's all about, those are all the transformation archetypes, even the devil devil backwards is lived okay now i'm going to really live i'm going to live my way by the way and the 14 card which you call temperance i call it art i follow a certain system it's the alchemist and the alchemist is breaking things down in order to build things up yeah just construction is destruction and blah 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 and then the death card becomes before that and so, okay, so you go through your transformation archetypes, and I have them do this in the class. Actually, they have to embody these archetypes over time on these secret Facebook groups that I have all over the damn world. Okay, so then, but then that that's nice. But then you go to the cosmic cards. These are the, the, the realiz- self-realization cards of the star and the moon. And in Voyager, it's the, it's the sun and then time and space and the universe. So I think we have laid out this incredible map of life. If you want to live the highest expression of yourself, your personal apotheosis, wow, go through this map, these 22 card map and actually practice it and be these archetypes and talk to these archetypes. You've got an amazing (laughs) spiritual path and practice and philosophy of life. And that's what I really, really love about this stuff. And you know what I love about that whole process that you've just described, because I'm totally in harmony with you on all the things you've been sharing is that if you end up at some church or some temple or reading some religious book that somebody else wrote to tell you how to live, you're now put into some kind of a maze. And and the question is, can the rat find the cheese? But when you use the tarot, your own soul, your own consciousness is guiding your own unfoldment and your own development. So it's as though you have taken responsibility for engaging your own spiritual growth without being told what to do by some daddy figure in the sky that will burn you in hell for touching your genitals or some crazy thing. (laughs) Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I like it. I mean, I understand. That's good. That's great. Okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
I know. Well, that's that's the deal. And and one of the things is uh, here's a good and a bad thing. The upside, the downside of the tarot field is on the one hand, it's free, meaning anybody can do the cards any way they want. Really, yeah. I mean, it, there is no certification program where to like to be a psychologist or a doctor, you got to go through some kind of schooling and pass some tests and blah blah. You don't need to do that. With the tarot, you could take one freaking class and put out your shield. I'm a psychic tarot reader. And all of a sudden you're reading people and probably created a lot of mayhem in their lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Not but to the, mention the fact that the medical doctors and the therapists with all their licenses are creating plenty of fucking mayhem themselves. So well, you, yeah, well, you uh, that's your true. Pick, I mean, which yeah. way do you want to go? <laughs> well, that's it. That, that is totally it. I mean, I can see both sides. I love the freedom. But, you know, if you ever try and get a tarot kind of convention or conference or symposium, it's hurting cats. It's hurting cats. Yeah. I mean, tarot people are notoriously um, introverted in a way and maybe weird and, and intuitive. Whereas you know, take the astrologers. Astrologers is more of a male dominated field. Tarot is female. Ninety five percent of my classes and clients are female. Yeah, most of the books I have on tarot are written by females. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, personally, I don't mind this. I don't either. I love women. Yeah, I do too. But astrology is much more of an even or maybe even a male-dominated field because it, it purports itself to be a science. Right. You know, and so you get a conference there and that's easy. You get a couple thousand people. Tarot, forget it forget it and then people become very territorial about their decks yes oh oh my gosh i mean uh, you know well i'm a voyager fan and oh i do white raider white or whatever whatever and i do the crawley deck and and it's like you know (laughs) people i mean that's it's a human thing it It really is a human thing and i think that's one of the wisest things that i did with voyager is i have symbols in it from all over the world so most of my work now um, after doing 40 years is in Asia. And, uh, and so people ask me why Japan, for example, well, I counted up 30 symbols, actual visual symbols, uh, images in the, in the Voyager deck, because I, I mean, I love Asian philosophy and I'm African and blah, 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 but that's given me this worldwide kind of market and and not have to be in the box that's really wise thank you for that that just sunk right into my soul i'm gonna keep my i told you there's a reason i wanted to use you as a consultant (laughs) well yeah no actually i love doing that i mean i i think i'm a really good consultant um on projects particularly like this i i find um I mean, people said, how, how do you know what the hell you're doing? Sort of, you know, what I think, um, I just, I'm naturally gifted at symbols. I'm a symbologist and I know systems. Um, I was good at political systems. That's how I got a PhD. I'm really good at, at holistic systems. Yeah. So, and if you want to put together a health or I can't, what did you want to call it again? A, uh, I want to call it a, uh, uh, well, something like tarot for healing. Right, right, right. Uh, the biggest question you're going to have is the art. Yeah. Who is, you know, that's- uh, I, I have that handle. I, I, I generate all my art myself. And then I have a very skilled artist that's just she like she taps into my head and she takes my drawings and, and sketches and paintings and she makes them wickedly beautiful. 
Oh God, let's see, you're, you're way ahead of the game then because, uh, and I, I just glommed onto my neighbor, Ken, who was, uh, he's actually a big California plan air, a big, uh, oil painter of oh, yeah. nature and stuff. Neat. And he just wanted to do a collage project. And I told Ken one day under the influence of caffeine, <laughs> <laughs> one of the strongest drugs of all time. Yes. Uh, so yeah. I said, let's make the magician. And he said, who? I said, the magician, the number one card in the tarot. And he said, what? You know, so I would collect all these images from all these magazines. No magazine was safe from my little hands. Yeah. And grab these symbols, take them from my garage to his garage. And then we'd turn on some rock and roll. And he'd just start to intuitively put them together. And that was the genius of Voyager. Because his card, we picked cards from another regular playing deck, the Weight Rider deck, who we were in the making of Voyager. Face down, he picked the fool, the zero card. Because he had no knowledge, into, you know, intellectually of the deck of tarot. Right. I picked the emperor number four. I knew what I wanted. I knew the structure, and I was going to do the business end of it. At ultimately, when it got done, and so I kind of not, you know, so that was a brilliant uh, combination of archetypes: the fool within us, which is that kid within us knows nothing, the spiritual, and the emperor number four who has structure and thinks he knows what he's doing, you know, and all of that. You put those two together, and you have genius. Exactly. If you could just give me your impression of what you feel an archetype is, I'd love to hear your impression of that. I think, uh, yeah, uh, archetypes, such a big archie types, you know, particularly in a foreign country, getting it translated into Japanese or Chinese. I don't know how the hell it, it comes out, but I, you know, in, in, in life, we all have roles to play whether we have to we have to do business we have to produce something okay or we have to be a mother or we have to be a father we have to manifest things we have to reflect about things we have to uh balance things well these are all archetypes there's the balancer archetype there's the manifester archetype there's the reflector archetype there's the business archetype these are to me they're all coming from basic human roles now that's that's very true but then what happens when you get into some of these like the moon and the sun and all that and that's look we're born from the universe we're born from this this solar system and everything is connected to everything that's the hermetic philosophy yes. of oneness you know mm-hmm. as above so below yes so we're born in the solar system of the sun so we are the sun and we are the moon and so on and so forth so I think these archetypes just are pretty logical. I think they make a lot of sense for me. They're, it's not, and like Devil's Play in Voyager, it's not evil. It's that playful part of us that loves to dance, and we like sex, and we like sensuality, and we like to party, and we like to have fun and sing and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's part of a human being, human being. So yeah. I don't think these archetypes are anything weird at all. I think they're very functional absolutely primally functional primordially functional in all human beings so i don't think they're particularly anything esoteric i think it's the words we give to it like maybe the priestess or the hierophant whatever the hell that is yeah or you know and so on and so forth that's what makes it kind of strange i think because i you know i teach in china i can't use the word tarot they do not like that word is that right yeah, and they're making a new deck, and they don't like any of the old words on the card. So we're using different words, right, for them for the archetypes for the archetypes. But uh-huh. I just think that 
they're these archetypes we personalize and we give them a personality which makes them kind of sexy and fun and imagine imaginary beings that do actually live within us in fact so i mean it 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 makes so much sense to consult we have this amazing 22 set of inner advisors you know counselors within us we do yeah and that's why we activate them and we talk to them. And that, so that makes sense to me. I don't think it's anything too esoteric, frankly. Um, if you could encapsulate in your own means of expressing it, what do you feel the psyche is? Oh, God. That's a, that's you, a terrible, big-ass question, you Paul. Can call, you can call me Paul. Yeah. The psyche. Are we going back to the the mythology or whatever? I mean, the psyche is to me consciousness. There you I go. Mean, that's that's uh, it. Yeah, it really is. And but and consciousness includes a lot of unconscious stuff. It also. sure does. <laughs> you know, and, and so I'm I'm taking that big big approach to it, and nothing too specific more I, than that. I, you know? I think I think you just hit the freaking bullseye. I mean. I, I'm asking you these questions, knowing there there you know could be long discussions, but you can't distill the psyche down more perfectly than you've just done. I, I think you you just showed us your power. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I I, I kind of stay away from. I mean, I, as much as I love psychology. I stay away from a lot of terms and stuff because I, I, I'm not. Yeah, it's those are nice words. Words. I'm much more into primary um, experiencing, and I'm I'm a very much a feeler, you know. And we feel the cards, we intuit them, rather than these incredible long academic uh, another book kind of deal with it all. I just stay away from that. I don't need it. I think you know, you know when I look at, for example, Marie Louise von Franz's discussions of the psyche, she refers to it as a rainbow bridge, and and just to encapsulate a very long discussion, she really describes the psyche as the bridge between the subtle, immeasurable, intangible elements of consciousness and the material, tangible, weighable, you know, left brain scientific aspect. My body weighs this much. I have, you know, two hands right. with five fingers. But really, uh, I believe that she's right. I th- the psyche is the rainbow bridge. It's what connects us from zero through the the numbers, right? It's take yeah, take but, take zero but, to twenty two and right. put that's psyche a, on top of it. That's the rainbow bridge. Yeah, I mean, I think the Native Americans call it. You know, it's the the bridge between heaven and earth. Yes, and it makes so much sense. Yes, I mean, and it's so beautiful and so graphic. Hey, I, I'm buying it. Yeah. <laughs> But let's hit this last question. Sure. First, my, my prefacing comment is, you know, cr- Christians and Jewish people and Islamic people, especially the Abrahamic religions, they've got this kind of devil thing and everything that they don't like in their life or that they're projecting onto other people is all the devil. But th- without the devil, we would have no free will. We would not, we would just be automatons, uh, you know. Yeah. How, how do you feel about that concept? I mean, I, I, of course, you know, look, the word evil, if you spell it, if you read it backwards, it's live. Yeah. L-I-V-E, yeah. Right? right? So yeah. I, I tell people evil is just living backwards. Morality means by definition, codes of conduct that are life affirmative. Evil is acting in ways that are destructive to life. Right. 
Right, right, right. And and I think the way the problem with it is is that that's the problem with churches. They're all about power. Yes. I mean, you know, they want to keep you in the fold here. So if if you start to stray from tradition or convention, the devil. So they put this fearsome word and concept, the boogeyman, you know, yeah. into our consciousness. And that's just a way of control. It's, it's classic con- It's classic brainwashing right down the pipe. Absolutely. Let's control these people and like, oh, you're going to the devil. Ah, okay. I'll come back to the church and give you your money on tithing and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I remember what I was listening to a lecture by Osho and. He said, when I die, I don't want to go to heaven. That's boring. He says, I want to go to hell. That's where all the action's at. <laughs> well, that's where the fire is. Yeah. He <laughs> says, there's people down there that I can work with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I think that my, the Voyager Devil's play card is brilliant. I mean, I'm so thrilled with it. I would make some changes in some of those cards, but hey, you know, you could spend forever doing that. Yeah, well, you know all in good time. I mean, it's, it's yeah, right. it was beautiful enough to get me to want to talk to you and get to know you. And I really, first, I, I just closing out, I just want to say what a fucking awesome interview, man. And and thank you so much for just being you and being so open and so honest. And I just, you know, J- uh, James, you are the wise elder that our culture lost when we lost our tribal societies. It's, Having guys like you around for the rest of us to go talk to that that can get some just some honest, open, no bullshit guidance. And, you know, you really showed your beauty when you when I said asked you a question, you said, hell, I don't know. You know, that that's just so gorgeous. I mean, there you there you have Aristotle, right? <laughs> or excuse me, Socrates, well, Socrates, uh, you know. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Paul. I think we get along. We've been dancing, that's for sure. One thing, I think I kind of live out a mantra I, I kind of gave, uh, came up with quite a few years ago. And somehow I think at some subconscious level, I'm living it out. And it's called uh, The Idea Now at My Age is to be Elder Wild. Yeah, and I like it. Elder, elder Wild and Baby Wise. That's beautiful. Elder I'm, Wild and Baby Wise. So I don't have a problem saying I don't know. Well, <laughs> you, you've just given me the inspiration for what I can become as I move from 57 towards 76. Oh, well, you know, your card, every year we have a card from birthday to birthday. Forget January 1, because birthday is our New Year's Day. Right, okay. Uh, Okay, so at 57, your card from birthday to birthday uh, is the death card. Well, perfect. (laughs) Somebody got to die here. (laughs) I don't mind. I'm not afraid of death, man. I've been down the rabbit hole to where I didn't even know if I was alive or dead, you know. And and that goes back to Jung saying, you know, religious systems are designed to protect you from the direct experience of God. Exactly, exactly. Control, control, control. But the the death card, a lot of people freak out, but it's about transformation, letting go. Liberation is what it's about. Yeah, shedding your dead skin. Right. The old and in my death card, I've got a great snake shedding its old skin. Yeah. You know, because it's it's rebirth, it's new life. So my question to you, if we were doing like a consultation, would be so what kind of changes are you going through? What would you like to let go of? And how are you gonna do that? And then we might pick a card on if you do that, what might could be the the outcome of that? You know, I love that. I mean, these are such great questions. It's all in the question. Yeah, well, what I'm what I'm going through is my second wife Angie's pregnant with a with our baby girl, 
And oh. so, you know, I'm like, okay, here we go. A new one on the way. Get ready for a lot of change and sleepless nights, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and when, when you're 58, the card would be the temperance card or the art card or the alchemy card, or the, the creation card. And how oh. perfect is that? How perfect is that, right? And then that kid is going to be one or two years old, and then and then she or he would go into the fifteen card devil's play. They're all over the map. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't get easier. <laughs> You've just foreseen my future. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and it looks exciting. It, it is looks exciting. <laughs> it is very exciting. So, where can people find you? to consult with you or where, what, right, what right. resources would you like to share so yeah. people can track you down? I hope they blow yeah. your door down after this interview. No, no, well, thanks. I do a lot of readings and mostly it's on Skype. It's internet because it's kind of, kind of global, but um, on my website, it's James, J-M-E-S with a hyphen, uh, Wanless, W-A-N-L-E-S-S, jameswanless.com. Pretty simple, but I must say uh, my platform for my wildly elderly baby wise <laughs> creativity uh, and i'm really creative i'm on a roll is on my facebook page james wanless and i know people get you know on facebook blah, blah, blah. but hey i rock and roll on that page and every day there's stuff and i love it i really love it. so james wanless my personal page on facebook or voyager tarot as well oh yep. great great well james man it has been awesome i've I just can't thank you enough. I You've invigorated me at many levels because a lot of the things I've been wanting to do, but keep saying, God, I'm never going to find time to do this. You just put a fire right under my ass. And I'm like, okay, I've got to, I've got to work with spirit and make some of these things happen. Cause I, you reignited me. Reignition. Yeah. Wow. Hey, we got some fire. And you know, that's one of the things that's so great about cards. When you do consultations with people, you motivate them because there it's right in your face, this card and this awesome, like you're the magician. Wow. You know, it just moves people. It is an ignition. Yes. It is transformation. Thank you, Paul. Hey, uh, I want to have you on here many more times before you uh, shape shift on us. Ah! <laughs> thank you paul it's been so much fun rocking and rolling with you dude Thanks, i mean buddy. thank you for listening to living 4d with paul check and today's guest dr james oneless you can find dr oneless online at www.james-oneless.com on facebook at j oneless one or on Instagram at James underscore Wanless. If you're interested in a consultation, you can reach Dr. Wanless via his website, james-wanless.com. He is offering a 50% discount on a one-hour Voyager consultation to Paul's podcast listeners. Just mention Paul Check when you are booking your session. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living4DPodcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4d with paul check you can watch more on paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the check institute's blog at checkinstitute.com forward slash blog 